Pedro, welcome to the show. This is Poya with Uncharted and Eclectic. So nice to have you. Thank you for the invitation, Poya. I'm super excited to spend some time with you. I, 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 we're excited to have you on the show. For, for those of us that don't know you, Pedro, I know, I know you have a very interesting back uh, story about how you got to the Valley. So, so let's maybe start there. I'd love to just allow you to kind of share a little bit about your background, your upbringing, where you, were, where you grew up and, and where you are at the present moment. How, how, did, you get, how did you get here? Yeah, it's definitely a funny story. Um, I moved to California eight years ago. I'm originally from Brazil. And like growing up, I watched so many movies from Hollywood and I always grew up a lot about seeing this, you know, LA life by the beach and all things around Hollywood movies. And there's a particular TV show that I really love. It was the DLC. And I always felt like a, I, I, I went to high school with not high school, but like I played in water polo, like not me specifically, but a lot of my uh, friends played in water polo with those folks. Uh, yeah. Like they competed against them. So it, it, just hearing that cracks me up. But it, it, anyway, it is, uh, so you it were is funny. Uh, yeah. It is funny how that story turned up and how much that TV show influenced my life. Uh, because growing up, I was like, oh, I always want to be Ryan, you know, like, getting out of Riverside and living on this millionaire <laughs> mansion and enjoying this life by the beach and surfing. And that's kind of was my main drive to move to California. Uh, I guess I, I, lo I lost the mark a little bit, ended up coming to the Bay Area, which is not at all like LA or DLC, but I do love it. And actually when I was about to decide where to live, and the school to go here in the U.S. I was between like UCLA or UC Berkeley. My final decision was also based on like, oh, looks like a good school. Ryan went to UC Berkeley. Uh, joke aside, but that's how much that impacted my life growing up and seeing that potential of a life that I could have if I was focused enough and, and worked towards that life. Um, in, because my hometown was very different, right? I come from this uh, countryside city in Brazil that is very laid back. The main industry is agriculture. Uh, things are very delayed back then. A very fun fact is that the first time that I ever touched a MacBook was in 2009. So it's not like I grew up around tech or anybody in my family worked in tech before. So it was never a top of mind or a dream to me that I wanted to come to Silicon Valley. It was definitely by accident. Well, we're, we're, we're glad you uh, somehow landed in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley and not, not Southern California or by the beach. So uh, yeah. glad, glad to have you. And it's, it's funny to hear how sometimes the MTV shows or the movies and <laughs> the TVs we watch influence our, our childhood. Um, one of the things that I find fascinating in your story is coming from um, a, diff a completely different background than I, I would say is a little unique in comparison to uh, other people about how you landed in the U.S. and, and frankly, mm -hmm. how you got your job at Zendesk. So give us a little bit of context on, on how um, you ultimately were, were able to kind of get your first role at Zendesk at such a early stage of that company's success. Sure thing. I feel like 
I didn't have that tech driven background, but I always felt very entrepreneur. And I feel like my first relationship with entrepreneurship was when I was five years old and I set up a shop on the playground of my school and I started selling uh, my old toys that I'll fix it and sell it to other people. So I always had that drive of starting my own business and make something out of myself and build that life. And in college, I also started my first business, a uh, real business, not like a, a kid shop. And I was starting doing event production. And then from that events, we organized, like, on my words, the best parties on campus. And the biggest one, we had 3,000 uh, people coming to the party. And we only have like three people organizing. So I always had a little bit of like sales and marketing um, background and qualities that end up taking me to do this master in Berkeley. And it was a full year of program that I studied uh, a master in marketing, business development. And after that, I had the opportunity to do an internship that I could choose between a few tech companies in the Valley. And that's how I landed at Zendesk. Back then, I started as an intern doing marketing for Brazil, which was one of the few international countries that a company was focusing on. That's how I landed my way into Zendesk. And for the ones that are not familiar, Zendesk is a service for CRM that stands for Customer Relationship Management. The company was founded uh, 12 years ago by three uh, guys in Copenhagen that was frustrated by how help desk and customer support software was built back then. So they launched the first uh, version of Zendesk, Cloudbase. They raised their uh, angel fund round. And then with that traction, a few like 100 customers, they decided to move to the Valley and chase the Silicon Valley dream. Like Zendesk today, uh, we are a, pub a public company that we help more than 150,000 customers worldwide from uh, startups to Fortune 500. And our products touch many milestones in the customer experience from sales, customer support, and customer engagement. The last two years, I had the opportunity to build the next iteration of Zendesk for startups. Uh, shifting our program from discount-based offering to an exclusive membership. And we are creating this community that we are matching founders and tech leaders with our CRM rich technology, mentorship, and best practice in order to facilitate their growth. Uh, I feel like uh, the, my favorite part of the job is really like touching people. I, I feel myself as a really, as a people person. And also as part of Zendesk for Startups and focus on that community, we are growing more and more our efforts into bringing people together and catalyzing ideas. You brought up a couple of things. First of all, uh, if I take a step back in your story, how were how you able to, like, how did you find the job seven, like, seven years ago or eight years ago as an intern? Like, it, it, it's... Like this is back in what, 2012, 2013, right? Yeah, when it was the market, yeah. Right, when the market was slowly coming back, it was still pretty competitive, right? It, it was, uh, but like, I'm sure you had to compete with a lot of people or did you have to just use your strengths because you spoke Portuguese? How, how did you land the first job? It was definitely because I spoke Portuguese. Uh, <laughs> my, my first job at marketing, I didn't even know what was a lead 
was, right? But yeah. I think that again is when I see that more and more companies building communities and the power of investing in community and be part of that. That's how I legitimately land this job at Zendesk. Uh, I had this really good friends at UC Berkeley and one of my friends, she was very driven on like, I want a tech job and she'll go for all uh, events and do network. And she then met my first uh, boss at Zendesk that he was looking for an intern, that he was having a hard time finding people that was uh, Brazilian to speak Portuguese and help with translation. So that good friend of mine, Julia, was the one that referred me to my job. And that's pretty much like the skill that I brought to the table back then was my ability to speak Portuguese and had a background in marketing. Well, it's, it's a combination of skill and luck, right? And, and thanking, our, thanking, yeah. thanking our friends, Julia. So if, if right. Julia is listening, we got to give her a, a many thanks for uh, exactly. hiring one of the longest standing <laughs> intern into pros from Zendesk. Uh, a couple of things that you brought up, which I thought was interesting. Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, the two words you used uh, in your intro was communities. Like, mm -hmm. what's the definition of community to you? And then the other part that you brought up is how you folks are moving towards uh, providing like an exclusive membership, right? Yeah. Uh, like, I would love to just understand, at least from your perspective, now that you've kind of scaled and been in this role, like, what is a community, right? It, it's a it's a, a word that gets thrown out a lot. So what does that mean in your definition? And what are maybe some of the benefits of being in this uh, membership? Yeah. Um, in regards to community, I've been seeing many, many startups now putting more emphasis on building a community. And from my firsthand experience, I can tell what a community is not. It is definitely not like a one-off activity. It's not something that is only led by marketing. It's not something that happens overnight. It requires a lot of thought, passion, commitment, and contribution of many individuals that have something in common. Uh, when I spoke with other peers in the marketing, uh, the market and other fellows that are marketing background, people are missing the mark when they think about community now. They think that is a way that just drive acquisition, that you can prepackage an event and have somebody to speak and show some pizza and beer and that's it. I feel when we are approaching community, we are thinking on a higher definition, uh, especially for SaaS companies like Zendesk, right? That retention and churn metrics are highly important. Create communities of creative way to deliver a value add to your customers that competitors cannot replicate because you know features, pricing can, can be copied, but people in the relationship that you build, you can copy. Uh, and when I think about like taking a, like a more like a, a pro, uh, digestible approach of that. Uh, for us, our learning and building communities that you need to build a collaboration with your members. Is like coming back to my example, it's not just ask to, hey, do you want to be a speaker? You need to think about more strategic of like, who do I want to be part of my community that will help me grow that community, right? And then when you approach that person, you should say, what are you passionate about? don't just come with pre-packaged pre topics. Like, for example, like when we connected a few weeks ago, 
when you brought this idea to the podcast, right? I really like your approach of like, what do you want to talk about? What is the story that you want to highlight? Because now I feel like I'm part of your podcast community and then I'm going to promote to my friends and I'm going to listen as many episodes as I can. So that is a sense of like a community focus that is different than a marketing event. Uh, it's a really good example, especially because it's me. And, and anytime <laughs> you stroke my ego, it, it, it helps. But look, you brought up a couple of good things, which is like in a world where it's so easy to replicate pricing, there's yeah. capabilities. Uh, the more you can differentiate yourself, the better, right? One of those things is, is getting to know the customer and building a better relationship with them. And you folks are certainly leading the way. Uh, are there some examples like real life stories that you can share about how, uh, because of this aspect that you're leading at Zendesk, like you've been able to acquire or retain more customers as a result. Like yes. sometimes getting the anecdotes help, right? And I, I know I'm kind of throwing a curveball at you and putting you on the spot, but love a couple of stories that sometimes might illustrate the power uh, of what you guys are doing at Zendesk. Uh, definitely. Like when we think about community, right, that is a whole opportunity of creating relationship. Uh, at scale, right? Develop, develop, um, deliver that value add, and also turning to your community members into acquisition machine. So I can tell you the story of when we were scaling our Startup Central community to New York. Startup Central is a community that we have on meetup.com that we host events every other month in San Francisco, New York, and now all online because of the the latest uh, COVID outbreak. Uh, we went to New York and we thought about how we're gonna get this rolling. We decided to do a few milestones to first find the superheroes. And those are for us were the head of support, head of customer success. We all took them for dinner and make sure that they all knew each other. It was like a really good opportunity for 12 leaders that create a relationship with other peers that they haven't met each other and they were doing that uh, on our ecosystem as Zendas being the platform that was driving that conversation. And since then, those superheroes became speakers that will bring in other friends. And for example, um, the one that I can give you more like a sense of a story, like Freshly uh, and Ben, Every time the brand has a friend that is starting a startup or people that are coming for uh, recommendation, he introduced directly to me. So I already got from like the last two months, three or four recommendations up from Ben to join the program, right? And that's a person that is becoming even more a power users because when you think about the value add, it's not only the solution that I'm, tell, that I'm selling to that, it's about the connections that I'm bringing, how I'm helping them to be a better, professional right how i'm also helping them to create better relationships and very especially in times like this another really good thing that we are piloting is that we are doing every other week a peer-to-peer -peer, we call cx therapy to bring those leaders together to exchange knowledge on how they are making sure their teams are healthy mentally and physically during this work for home scenario right and it's just hard. I don't know. For me, for example, it's not like we have a, a thousands of people that does, uh, you know, startup initiatives on different companies. So it's hard for me to understand uh, and ask specific questions for others that are doing the same jobs that I am. 
So if, I, if there is a company or a community that I can be part of that help me with specific questions or insights and, and also can make a friend and have fun, I'll definitely enroll and be part of that. Yeah, similar to how you're supporting me, right? But one way or another, you, 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 brought up, you brought up a really good point, right? Is one thing that's sometimes tough to uh, build and retain is that loyalty, right? And you guys are doing that in a very unique and creative way where you're building loyal customers and fans, right? And those super fans will not only advocate for you, which is the obvious thing, but uh, they accelerate, right? When they tell a friend, like getting, a, getting interest from someone that's heard it from a friend, it, it, it's a much significant higher quality of uh, interaction or interest than one that's completely maybe cold, right? And, and like an alternative one. So um, not only what you guys doing is creative, but I, I love the story that you've shared about Ben and Freshly. Um, I know we kind of fast forwarded to this community aspect just because you brought it up, but I think one of the things that people don't realize, and I could be wrong, you, you've been what, like the longest standing intern into full-time hire, if I'm not mistaken, at Zendesk, at least in the history over the last 12 years. Am I, am I correct on that? I think, um, at this moment, I'm the longest converted intern in the company. We had a lady that was like maybe a 10 year, 10, year, 10 years old than that employee, but she left last year. So well, <laughs> yeah. you're the, you're the longest standing one. And, and the way it looks like you probably have a long way to go in, in terms of retention. So uh, talk to us a little bit about like just your experience, right? Seven years, like, I'll just tell it my story. Like I've been at maybe 10 different companies in one way or another over that time. And you've been able to kind of benefit moving up the ladder at Zendesk. So tell us a little bit about like, what's been challenging, what's unique, like why, why has it worked so well in your, in your favor and it, whether it's an attitude thing or it's just been your personality. Talk to us a little bit about the journey. <laughs> so Zendesk was my like first legit job, right? My first internship. I was like, uh, and also, are, 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 you, are you saying like selling toys didn't count as a kid? Come on, Pedro. I don't know where that's coming from, but fair enough. Maybe, maybe I need to put that on my LinkedIn. Let's see. <laughs> uh, and on the other hand, like also Zendas is my longest relationship, right? I, it's been seven years, like so much of who I am today was due to the phenomenal people that crossed my way and coming as an intern that was like barely speaking English, you know, and not even know much about tech or marketing. I, so much of what I built in my life, um, it was because of the people that helped me in Zendesk and other people that passed my way. And that's what I love about Zendesk, you know, like, uh, first, they always gave me the freedom to grow, right? They allow me to prove my value, uh, seek the opportunity, and bring new ideas to the table. Um, like, as I say, I was first dedicated to the Brazilian market, but when we were seeing that we were getting really good traction, and there was an opportunity to open more countries around Latin America, I also was very self-driven to raise my hand and do jobs that I was not paid to do, you know, especially on a startup. You have to understand that job description is a pure documentation to get people in, right? 
things change very fast and you should be able to adapt um, to those changes, right? Kind of like be an oracle to predict the future, where the market's going, where the opportunity is coming for you, because you can raise your hand, do the job. And when people realize you're already doing the job, they just have to hire you and pay for you, right? So that's, I feel like what happens to me many times when during my seven years career at Zendas by coming from the Brazil market to expanding to Latin America. And same with this new position that I am today. Uh, the company had shipped to going after enterprise and bigger accounts. So most of our marketing and sales and go-to-market strategy was towards those accounts. It is a whole different ball game to sell to startups, right? And But I saw the opportunity to take that discount program and turn into a whole team. We now have 12 people dedicated to startups in a, in a two year period. And I had to raise my hand and say, hey, I wanna do that. I've done that in some cap capabilities before. I have my, my marketing background. When I was in Brazil, I did a lot of partnership. I have relationship with VCs. I've done events, I know how to sell. Give me the chance and by also feeling like I own, you know, I always had the owner mentality, like every single challenge for me was beyond a paycheck. I had to grow the Brazilian market. I had to scale our operation. And now for me, it's like, I want to make sure that that's for startups, the best program for founders and CX leaders that want to grow their operation, right? That they trust in us, not only by selecting your product, but if their time, by joining our community, and mentoring the others that will grow from that, uh, the members in this group that we are creating. So you've been able to do a lot, right? And I, I, I sense the competitiveness that comes up from kind of what you're talking about, but also the owner mentality. So wh what do you, wh where do those attributes come from? Like, in other words, like, was it your childhood? Is it because you've had really good mentors at Zendesk? Is it college? Like, what do you attribute that to? And, and who do you thank, frankly, for, for some of the qualities that have worked out for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, a couple months ago, I started with a, a professional coach and we were doing this exercise of defining my essence, which was created during my, is created during your childhood, right? And, I, and uh, the pieces that was like very, like, Frequent of my asset is like my passion, uh, love and adventure, right? Like growing up in the city that I grew up, I always wanted to explore the world and see what was out there. And I also saw like the life that other people were having around me and didn't really inter like interest in me. I didn't want to be like them, not on, a, not on a bad way. Like I appreciate the life they have it, but I wanted something more. And I was dedicated to go after and get it, right? Uh, my parents, they had me when they were super young. So we, we had a lot of struggles growing up, right? And they got divorced and came back together many, many times. We had a lot of like financial crisis. We didn't have like financial stability. And I, went, and I grew up in a really good school. So I, was, I used to see my friends going for like good, good trips and having the best toys that for me, it was very frustrated, but uh, I, was, I was always very self-driven in a way that, oh, I can sit down and like cry and complain, but I can also go, go and get it, right? So that's when 
that like resiliency and self-driven of like, let me grab all those broken toys, turn into a business so I can go on a trip, right? Uh, or let me start my own business in college because like, that can be my way to California. So that's, I think I, I attribute a lot of who I am today by the experience that I had growing up, by having a lot of challenges that make me uh, mature faster than other kids. But definitely because all, also the impact of all the great people that took their time to guide me, coach me, be my friend, or give me opportunities like Julia did. And my first bosses in the smart still, which was phenomenal, that led me all the way to shape me to become like a, like a manager and like that could grow to international um, robots and that's to my team today that helped me be better every day that helped me understand what is a manager and because it's a very different approach when you're like a individual contributor that you can do your crazy hours and push until you make it than when you're leading a team right and those are all challenges that i had through my career at zendas that coming back to your original questions that i attribute that to my essence, my experience growing up, and the luck that I have to get great people uh, along my way. Yeah, a, a few things you brought up uh, that I, I just want to comment on or at least ask mm -hmm. about. Uh, at least from your experience, one thing you attribute to is other people, right? Whether it's your mentor, Julia. Mm -hmm. uh, what are things that they did that really, like, looking back, have really helped you? Like, whether it's your first boss or whoever, like, what yeah. were those what were those eye-opening moments that whether they gave you confidence or like helped you, what are, what were some of those tactical examples of things that they did? Uh, I'm a kind of person that I resist to change, but when change happens, I'm the first one to adapt and, and try. So for example, my, my boss, my previous boss, he was very like, you got to do this, like very direct and pushing me to grow. I feel sometimes like, some managers, they tend to seek for approval of the direct reports so much that they lose the aspect of being like a coach and point where the growth opportunity is and push that people to grow. So I really appreciate those tactical things. Like you have to do better. You have to think about this. You have to go different because I, don't, I cannot act on top of things that I don't know. It's true. Sometimes you need that little push, right? Whether it's a boss, yeah. whoever it is, it's, I, I like to give the uh, example of like going to the gym. Like, I, I, I don't know about you, but like if I try going to the gym on my own, like good luck, there's very little that's going to happen. But if I have a trainer or if I'm with a group yeah. or if I have that uh, accountability by someone else, or at least just for me, it's just going to push me and drive me a little more. So uh, it's, it's always good to surround yourself, whether it's with a boss or whoever to kind of push that. If you don't have that discipline, at least I don't. So um so you, have to build that, you have to build that discipline, right? So it's not something that muscle. comes yeah. exactly, right? And talking for a coach, I started swimming. And then for my first two months, I, I was actually going every day, but I just couldn't advance enough. And I was not getting that phenomenal feedback. Got a coach. She put me the right way. I learned about like, better skills. And then she gave me some places to read and see videos. Now I'm self-driven on that because I also move out of the like zero to one or two that every little thing that I do, I get a feedback that makes me excited to do more. 
So, so you, you uh, the thing you keep bringing up is the progress, right? So you want to see yeah. some progress done, celebrate that. And what if, what if it's on the other end? Have you ever been in an experience where like, no matter how hard you're trying, <laughs> the results are just not there. What, what I know I'm kind of throwing a curveball, but yeah, I'm curious to know if like, I've been in those situations and it's just hard, you know, to like kind of move forward. What, what have you found to be successful, at least in your situation where no matter what, if you're throwing it, it, the basketball example, you keep shooting, but it doesn't yeah. go in. Like, what do you do? It really depends. I feel like many of the people that I really look after, they told me many times, double down on your strengths while you cannot fix your weakness. The reality is that you're not going to be good on everything. But you can, if you understand what you're good at, focus on that to make that highlight your shadow part and your weakness. And take it from there, right? Like, I, there are some situations that, like, that you're not going to be good at. And, like, I try coding. I just, I never pass HTML. And that's not going to be who I am, right? And I still want to have my business. I still want to build my app. But I'm going to focus on the other part of the business that I can be really good at. Fair enough. It's, it's true, but I, I always took you for a coder. So don't, don't give up yet, Petra. I, I don't, don't sell yourself short. My friend. Maybe that's a quarantine goal. Let's see. It's uh, in this world, it, it, the way it looks like, if we're going to stay in for the rest of 2020, why not? Yeah. If, if that's the case, we all got to pick up different skills. So uh, we've talked a lot about like some of the strengths and whatnot uh, you've had uh, on the other end of that. What are you most insecure about or, or a weakness that uh, maybe you don't like talking about, but it's evident. Yeah. Um, you, you know, by not coming from this uh, MBA Stanford background of Ivy League, I always felt insecure of like losing my job opportunities to others that are a little bit more, you know, uh, how do you say polished that I am? Uh, so that's definitely like something that had me through a lot of nightmares, or insecurities, and a little bit of that famous imposter uh, syndrome. But you know, sometimes when you do a lot of these works of getting help of a coach or doing therapy, you understand that those are stories that you create to yourself. That when you get to know yourself and your strengths and the result that you get in your life. You shouldn't be afraid of that. Well put, well put. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it's good to at least just have a, the hit, but at, at the same time, you got to play to your strengths, right? Depending on your right. context, based on what you've said is uh, I, I used to have an old manager that used to always tell me and the feedback they used to give me is just eliminate the noise. It's like, mm -hmm. who cares what the person to your left doing? What, what, treadmill they're on how fast they're moving yeah. it's like you just got to do you uh so it, it's a different approach of how you explain it but it's you got to eliminate the noise and just focus on your your view mirror right and just keep going on your path and looking back on, on, on how far you've come uh, yeah. i let's transition a little I, I think one thing that uh you keep kind of throwing it out is how much you hustle and, and how hard you work which is true right every time i see you you're either at an event or traveling or visiting a customer how do you how do you balance to make sure you don't burn out right like 
it, it, it can easily happen. So how do you balance this between like business plus fun? How, how is your view of like work-life balance? How do you think about it? So on and so forth. Yeah, I was having this conversation with a really good friend of mine the other day, especially now that most of us are working from home. How do you find a balance? And then we came to a conclusion that we don't balance work in life. We harmonize it, right? Because um, we are always trying to make it all fit together based on what is priority for you. Uh, on my early 20s, priority for me was like, move you to the U.S., get a career here, get my green card, you know, get, a, uh, you know, a good financial stability so I can have more freedom. And now those things are taking a little bit like a second place in my life, right? I want to think about like, you know, my family and all the other side projects that I want to have. And so I'm trying to balance the other aspect of my life higher than uh, work. More tactical way for me, especially the last year or so was I meditate every day, right? Calm is a great app. It's a great opportunity for you to like step, take a step back a little bit, breathe and get a more mindfulness and understand yourself so you don't get very like anxious and stressed out. Because that led the message and you, if you're feeling very stressed out, everything gets very stressful and I mean, like, it's just easy for you to burn out. And also doing exercise, right? And like you need to be mentally, emotionally, and physically healthy. Like starting to swim and doing more exercise a day. I'm a very hyper person. Like even when I speak, I'm like speaking very fast and trying to make things very fast. And using that energy on other parts really helped me like have a more balance um, on my work in my life, be more calm. And understand that, you know, I can close my computer. This is not going to solve today. And maybe, you know, it's not, it's not urgent, you know. That's weird. I have the luxury of not having, I, it's not like, I'm, it's, not a, it's, not, it's not a brain surgery, right? If I don't answer that email at 8 p.m., I can wait until 9 a.m., right? It's not like I have somebody with a brain open in front of me. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, my, my partner is a nurse and, and we talk about that all the time, right? The joke we make is how many, anytime I talk about my problem, she keeps bringing yeah. up, how, well, how many, how many lives did you save, right? And it puts everything into perspective because it just shuts me up and it's, it's true, right? Sometimes we, it's, it's important to take our work seriously, but sometimes we have to find those limitations as well. Uh, so, it, so it's good to kind of hear uh, some of the you have to have fun, right? Like you always have to have fun. Like I try to bring it to my team most of the time. Like my hours pass so fast because we are doing like the hardest job that we can in our field, but we are having as much fun as we can, right? Especially now, get all those funny Zoom backgrounds and maybe try to make make space for relationships and make the work more exciting. So it feels less about work and you just enjoy more as part of your life. Yeah, more about something else. Uh, the other thing that um, I, I'm kind of transitioning again here, mm-hmm. but the other thing I wanted to kind of bring up for you, because it was a couple of mm-hmm. <laughs> weeks ago, you have this unique opportunity where you balance like going after your 
goals and like making sure like whether it's a personal business like you're achieving those things like in other words maximizing your potential but at the same time having this balance of having fun taking care of your body taking care of yourself uh the cool thing that i saw i think it was like two weeks back on linkedin was this project you're working on about pkrs that's like pedro's uh key results and objectives so talk to us a little bit about what that is and, and like what you're doing there, what caught you interesting, how long have you been doing it, what, what's what been working, what hasn't been working, so on and so yeah. forth. Uh, I started doing this, I'd say, like six months ago, and more heavily like the last 90 days, especially when we got into um, quarantine and sheltering place here in San Francisco. Uh, PQR is my all interpretation of like the OKRs, which stands for like objectives and key results, which is a framework um, for defining and tracking objectives and their outcomes. And we've been doing that uh, at Zendas for the last two years to make sure that we are very focused. You know, when like our business, your business is growing, there's so much new ideas and people throwing stuff on you that you get those choice paralysis, right? And you don't know what to do. And I feel like that's what we or myself had it like oh i want to get better on playing keyboard running understanding the stock market coding and then instead of doing anything i was just paralyzed because i didn't know how to start and in like many other ambitious people in our industry not only you want to have a job but you want to have a family you want to create impact in the world and build a better place so all of that was like creating this need of me to like oh i just need to find something that is organized, that I can rely on technology, that can give me the feedback and can allow me to be better. So that's how I started building this PKR that right now is a, still a spreadsheet that I went through all of my life and my assets and I split into seven categories. And those are places that I really wanna focus like my career development, my family and relationship, my spirituality, my athlete performance, my wealth and social impact. And there's something new that is always like that. We go room for happy things and exciting things. Uh, in approaching life that way, I can organize my week uh, based on those pillars, right? I also had a, a listen to a really good interview of Ashton Kutcher the other day that he was talking about instead of doing like year resolution, he was doing decade resolution because then you can achieve way more. And this guy is doing amazing stuff, right? Right now he's trying to uh, remove child pornography of the internet on top of like all these great companies that he's backing up on his uh, venture capital firm and his actual career and his family. So I was like, why not follow Ashton Country leads, right? So I got into a Sunday uh, I created the whole vision of my future for all of the seven pillars and all of that is a tab on my spreadsheet that I split through different years and potential outcomes and potential initiatives. So if you're familiar to the OKR methodology, that's how you build um, the whole thing for a company. And then from that, I, I put on a weekly schedule. So I know that every Monday from six to eight, I put two hours of professional development. And then on Tuesday, I put two hours on like studying. Uh, I'm mean, right now like don't know which religions I wanna do. So it's kind of like studying religion or 
also getting better on learning this new um, running way or swimming. And then Wednesday I do other things and or Thursday and so on. And then at the end of every day, I came back and say, did I accomplish all of that? Why not? And then on a Sunday night, I review my whole week and plan my final day. The last 90 days that I've been doing this, the amount of things that I got done, I mean, total disclaimer, I'm also locked at home, but realized for me that I had that, you know, feedback that I'll get by just taking things out, right? Uh, for example, like all these productivity apps like Asana, every time that you click on it, goes a whole unicorn on your screen. Yeah, you made it. And I realized how that input is very important for me. I need to get the feedback that I'm making progress. So the, that's, yeah. I was just saying the combination of uh, Pedro's uh, key initiatives as well as uh, the quarantine has just made you a new person. Huh? Right. You're, gonna, you're about to take over the world. Hopefully. But I see, you know, like all these people that we see, right, like CEOs or high-performance individuals, they all have help, right? They have help from chief of staff, coach, assistant, family. And I feel like what is missing right now is, you know, providing the same level of assistance to pave other people to reach that level, right? By providing like, you know, reliable and consumable and affordable technology so people can optimize their day to day. It's a, it's a, it's a combination of those things. It, it, it's yeah. well put. So you, you bring up a good point and I didn't want to ask you earlier, but one of the things you brought up was this transition of going from an individual contributor to management, mm -hmm. right. And being a leader. Mm -hmm. So what helped you in that process? Cause it's, it's a shift, right? It's a mentality yeah. shift. It's night and day. Now you're responsible for other people versus yourself. So in, in those circumstances, like what was helpful for you? Like, what were you good at? What did you fail at? I'm just kind of curious, like how you were able to make that transition how long did it take you? What were some helpful tips, whether it's books, people, yeah. maybe leadership things that Zendesk provided. Talk to us a little bit about that because it kind of talk, it talks about sometimes how like, uh, I, the reason I asked that question is one of the things sometimes I read is we focus so much on helping the CEOs, right? Once they get to the top, and we put so much resources behind them that sometimes we forget about doing the same thing for like entry level managers or yeah. like or line managers. So I would love at least just to hear your personal experience if you're open to it. Yeah. And to add on that, and managing executive is not the same as managing like associated or managers, right? It's a whole different ballgame. It's of not course. a conversation. It's a whole process. So that's something that I think people struggle a lot. Uh, when they go from like, you know, having a whole team to support them to having like a smaller team. Uh, for me, like the thing that I struggle the most is that I'm very personal and I don't even have a poker face. So I, I tend to just tell exactly what I think and react to things very emotionally. Not that I'm saying that people should not do that. I'm very like vulnerable with my team. I'm very clear. But you need to understand that everything that you say, there is a bunch of people listening to that. And they're taking and they're taking word by word. So your your responsibility as a communicator is to shape that message for them to understand. It's not a matter of like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. That's how you position yourself. So definitely that's what I struggle the most of like being like just being more cautious of how I show up things I say, 
how I was leading myself, how I was setting up the example, right? Like, I feel for me, like, if I'm expecting somebody to come to the office at 8, 8 a.m. and leave, like, 5, I have to be there, right? I have to do those things. If I'm expecting somebody to do, like, a, not the most glamorous jobs of being, like, the doping leads, I got to go and do that, some of that, too. Either to understand how that goes so I can under, evaluate their performance. So, especially the, this team right now, every this every little task, I'm the one that does it first, so I can understand like the, what takes to be successful in that, right? Uh, what made me good? And I think, sorry, I feel like I'm a good manager because of my people skills and also things that I learned throughout the ways and uh, places that I learned a lot was like definitely books and podcasts. Uh, I'll say podcasts the most because like it's a chance for you to like hear great conversations from people that sometimes you don't have access to, right? And I'm a very, I, I'm a very, I love to listen to people and have those conversations uh, because sometimes in the company, even you want to reach other people, other managers, like, feels very it's very hard because sometimes people don't want to don't want to share things that are very personal and i haven't seen any hr training that's really good honestly like so they're trying but it's just it lacks a lot it lacks a little bit of more more like digestible and useful tips that you get from hearing people that bring to that situation and how they overcome that Sure. The the anecdotes, the real life stories, right? The informal exactly. sometimes settings uh, help much more than uh, sometimes the formal settings. I, I do think yeah. you need a balance of the two to teach you the fundamentals and, and do mm -hmm. everything informal. For for those listening, I'm just going to do a shameless plug for uh, one of the companies I support called Plato HQ because that's exactly what they're doing <laughs> for engineering communities. And it works really well, right? Seeing Seeing the balance. But the reason I ask that question is like, some of the things that become natural, right, to people that have the soft yeah. skills, the charisma, the passion that you do, but some of the things that come out of left field that, like, you just don't know how to address, like, how do you have a tough conversation with someone when they need to, like, be held responsible for something, right? How do you uh, have those crucial conversations around performance and compensation, right? So yeah. that that's the reason I asked because I remember when I made the transition, those were the tough things to do right because it's it's so sensitive that i was just curious like how you were able to replicate that whether it's through a manager a training or through something else yeah i'll definitely buy like either like managers or like leaders in the organization having tough conversation probably like books any books uh haven't again like it's just very hard to create a template on how to have hard conversations because every case is very like unique right that it's just hard and for me like i get so emotional attached that it's just not it's hard right you need to make sure that you know exactly like i think for one thing right you can never come back if you always if you see something you have to say something because creates that snowball that you were bringing yeah you did that like a month ago but if you don't call out or don't point that out you lost your opportunity to make a change so shame on you as well as a manager so that's kind of like keeping an eye on when you see that things are 
getting out of the the route or the path is start being more proactive on pointing out and bringing opportunities and ways to improve, right? Because also you as a manager, you should bring the opportunities and ways to improve, not just say you're doing this wrong. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and so I, I, I can continue with you, Pedro, for hours and upon <laughs> hours, but I think it, we're, we're coming to the end of our show. But before we say our goodbyes and our thank yous, um, we're going to go through one of my favorite parts of the episode, which is the fireway round, where I ask a question and then you basically have 30 to 60 seconds to answer each one. Uh, any questions? You ready? You excited? I'm excited. Okay. Let's go. Let's start with the first one. We've, t- we've maybe brought him up, but a mentor you've had uh, that's really helped you, like what makes this person great? Uh, who's one person you want to thank? I definitely want to thank uh, my first boss, my first boss at Zendesk, uh, Mark Stornick. He, he is now our VP of marketing for uh, Americas, and he definitely like uh, you know find the best out of me and shape me to be who I am. And besides what he did to me, it's like his whole life journey is phenomenal. It's a, he is a great leader that is influencing a lot of individuals everywhere he goes. We've all had some, someone or multiple people take us under their wing and help us out. Yeah. So we want to thank Marcia uh, as well. Uh, the other question I had is, uh, or in the fireway round, what do you wish you had known when you had started out? This could be the new job that you have at uh, Zendesk for startups, or it could be starting back in 2013 at Zendesk. I think overall, uh, be less anxious and enjoying the ride. It's never about the next promotion or the next milestone, right? It's about those hours that you spend with your team or the challenges or the struggles that you have. Those are the good memories because like when you get something, I tend to whenever I get something, I realize, oh, that's it or what's the next? So it's not about that destination, right? It's the ride. It's about the journey, right? It's about one the of, journey. One of my favorite books is The Alchemist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know uh, if you've read it. Yes. It's, you know that the author, Paulo Coelho, is Brazilian, right? So I, Alchemist <laughs> is definitely my favorite <laughs> book. Uh, I just gave it away to my current manager like last month before I went to lockdown. I was like, Kristen, here you go. <laughs> and then she just like also listened to that. I reached out yesterday like, I love The Alchemist. I love good, it. Good, good to know. Yeah, it's one of my favorite books. So it's, I did not know the author was Brazilian, but you know. your, your story illustrates that, right? Always focus on the journey rather than the destination or the end goal. Uh, tell me something that is true that almost nobody else might agree with you listening. Yeah. I don't know about nobody else, but maybe there's a couple hundred people that agrees with me. Zendask has the best holiday party in the Valley. Okay. <laughs> am I am I getting invited to the next one? Is that here? Yeah, that, that's an invitation I, for you. Okay, good. I mean, if you if you do if we ended up having right, we never know. Oh yeah, you never know. <laughs> let's, let's knock on wood, right? But one way or another, I want yeah, my invitation for sure. Uh, what's one company doing really well from your experience and in the customer experience, the support sector that you think could be a great inspiration for others? This could be a, an enterprise company. This could be a startup. This could be people in your ecosystem. Uh, what, what's one company that's uh, inspired you over the last couple of weeks? 
Yeah, I mean, so many. It's just hard to choose. And for the sake of not putting any favorite favorite here, I'll pass that. Okay, it's playing the political answer. I'll I'll, I'll take it. It's you're playing smart. You can't. Pick- I love I love all my community members and all my customers. <laughs> it's like asking your parents who the favorite child is. But right. Well, we'll let you pass. We'll let you off the hook. <laughs> uh, what's been your favorite professional memory? Uh, that takes me back to 2016 uh, in Sao Paulo. We had the biggest user conference uh, at the moment of Zendesk history. And we were giving away like umbrellas as a, as a thank you swag at the end of the event. And Sao Paulo rains a lot. Yeah. So the whole team was like, we were like maybe 15 people that then, like we were very united and so happy because we had reached that milestone and had done the biggest event of globally for Zendesk. So we, all of us went on the stage like and dancing Despacito with like umbrellas. And I do have a video and it's like one of the best memories that I have on Zendesk. Well, knowing, knowing your dance moves, I, I'm sure hopefully we can replicate <laughs> that at the, at, at the holiday party uh, come later in the year. So for sure. make sure. If I get invited, that's going to be my song request. Uh, so, so we let you off the hook and we let uh, you pass a question. I'm going to ask a personal bonus question. Who's your favorite soccer player that's Brazilian? So that's something that is going to blow your mind. I don't like soccer at all. Okay. I'm basically like one of the few Brazilians that don't play soccer or like soccer. Well, one of the rarest uh, – Brazilians I've ever come across. I, I don't know how they let you back into the country, but All right. we'll we'll let you off the hook. Well, Pedro, it's been a it's been great having you on the show. Appreciate you walking us through your journey. Uh, before we say our goodbyes, I want to give you the chance. If you want to thank anybody that you haven't had the chance to thank, feel free to do so. I want to thank you, my whole team at Zendas, especially to this last first startup team. Like you are all phenomenal. Like you're pivot to all these great challenges that we are facing and thriving to all of that and make me have so much fun and enjoy my work and I could not have achieved anything without your support so huge thank you all of you and thank you you Poyo for inviting me to your podcast yeah of course it's been a pleasure having you <laughs> uh, if people want to I know I know you love getting uh invitations from people to connect with you I know I know you're a connector to say the least so what would be the best way for people that are listening if they want to connect with you what would be the best way for them to connect with you you either go on LinkedIn at Pedro Miller, Pedro Miller or you can follow me on Twitter to let me give you my handle which I have to it's Pedro Miller. How do you spell the last name? M U L E R. Perfect. Very good. Well, thanks so much, Pedro, again. It was a pleasure. And then I'm sure we'll see you sooner rather than later. Thank you for it. Helps engineers and engineering managers become great leaders. And how do they do that? Well, Plato helps you find the perfect mentor thanks to its network of experienced engineering leaders who work at the world's best tech companies. For a monthly fee, you have unlimited access to mentors who can help when you have challenging situations as a manager. Visit them at PlatoHQ.com.